Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be considered as a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Adam Childers, and we are back with the podcast Briefly Legal, brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. Well, everybody out there listening, I'm sorry for the hiatus that we've been on lately. I'm I'm, I'm going to blame it on the dog days of summer that have uh, just kind of taken all the uh, the vim and vigor out of uh, myself and uh, and uh, producer Tyler. But the truth is, things have just gotten pretty busy. But I'm so glad to be back in the uh, Crow re- Recording Studios because it's about time that we get some more information out to you, our loyal listeners. And we've got a great topic for discussion today. It's hot off the presses. We're going to be talking about uh, the National Labor Relations Board and a brand new uh, ruling that uh, came down about two days ago uh, that is going to impact uh, employers really nationwide and specifically the policies and procedures they use to govern the workplace. And we'll talk here with our our special guest, um, someone that last uh, graced the airways with us back in December, and it's none other than Associate Attorney J.C. Booth. Say hello to everybody, J.C. Hello, everyone. Glad to be back this time in the summer. Last time I was here, it was right before Christmas. So it's been a while. It has been a while. And it's good to have you back. And, you know, you, just to remind uh, everyone who's uh, you might not remember from the last time uh, that you got to be on the show with us, you're a third year associate here with the, the law firm and uh, a member, I'm very proud to say, of the Labor and Employment Group, of which I'm practice group chair, which means uh, you get invited to do things like this with me and I'm so glad when you say uh, yes, because uh, you bring a lot to the table on all the information that we like to give to our listeners. And and I'm really proud to have you here because, you know, um, I, I suppose I already knew this uh, about you, but now it's been publicly acknowledged. Uh, JC, uh, I think uh, last month was honored by the journal record. Um, she was included on what's called the power list of young professionals. That sounds Pretty cool, JC. Uh, do you feel powerful just even hearing this? I do feel very powerful hearing this, and I credit Crow for getting me on that list. So. Well, a credit to you for you know being a rising star in our professional community, and and that's just another feather in the cap for you and what is um, already becoming a, a wonderful career. And we're very very proud of you. But um, I'm happy to have you here. And I said at the outset, you know, we're going to talk about the National Labor Relations Board. Let's just call it the NLRB because apparently I can't <laughs> uh, uh, say those words in sequence. But you. You know, I, I said it up top, but before we lose any listeners who say, well, I think that has to do with unions and I don't have one. Uh, tell us why this should matter for anybody who's got an employee out there uh, that, that's uh, listening to this podcast. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a myth that a lot of people think, well, I don't currently have a union, so I'm not too worried about it. But nothing about the NLRB forecloses your employees from going out and forming a union, should they so choose. You can obtain a claim with the NLRB anytime. Um, I've seen that a lot, even with some of my clients, that there is a guarantee that the NLRA does not actually apply to them, but they still have to defend these claims uh, that are made against them. You're absolutely right. We, We are really in a in an activist uh, time. And, and that shouldn't be any 
um, surprise. Uh, president Biden, when he took office, said that he'd be the most activist president since uh, FDR in terms of, you know, backing unions and and, and being a strong uh, union supporter. And you're exactly right. When you talk about policies and procedures in the workplace, anything that you do that sets limitations on what an employee can or cannot say or do potentially implicates uh, the National Labor Relations Act, uh, meaning that um, if you've got employees and you've got policies and procedures, um, this is a good topic to be listening to because this new standard that we're going to talk about today is a real game changer. So let's dive on into it, JC. Uh, I've been talking about these standards. Let's start with kind of the old standard that we had prior to what we're going to call the stericycle standard. But first, tell us about the standard that prevailed before that one. Yeah, so there's a long history that goes alongside of the the recent ruling by the NLRB. Originally, we had a more employee-favorable test uh, back in 2004 out of the Lutheran Heritage case and line of cases that went alongside of that. Um, And then in 2017, a Trump-era line of cases, which we're going to refer to as the Boeing standard, uh, came about, and it was a little bit more employer-friendly. So that test, uh, when analyzing causes of action under the NLRA, said that you would examine a workplace role by asking what is the nature and extent of the potential impact on NLRA rights, and two, what is the legitimate justification associated with this role? So it was really considered more of a common sense type of test. What are what are my interests as the employer in having this role in place? And let me just kind of ask myself, how is this going to potentially affect the NLRA? So, yeah, pretty employer friendly in the sense that as long as you could come up with a business justification why you needed that policy or procedure to govern your workforce, then you were largely safe from any NLRB uh, violation. And and when we say that, what we're what we're talking about is any complaint made by employees saying, hey, by having that rule in place, now I don't have the ability to talk about, you know, standards in the workplace or wages or, you know, anything that could affect the workplace that might galvanize people to get together and say, should we unionize? I mean, that's really the root of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. And I do want to point out what you mentioned with the word safe. So uh, that's kind of also what the Boeing standard could predict for employers, because there were categories of rules that under Boeing, you knew that, oh, these workplace rules, these would be considered legal. So you could take more of a loose approach, more of a broader approach when you were drafting your rules within your handbook and your different policies, because you could be a little more confident in that if I fall under this category, then I know that this would be considered a valid rule. Which, yeah, and that's and that's pure gold when it comes to regulatory compliance, because as we all know, that's a moving target. As administrations change, you know, the the composition of boards change as well. And what the rule was yesterday becomes a new rule today. But that does mean we've had a certain amount of continuity and consistency since 2017. But here we are. It's uh, we're in the recording studio on August uh, 3rd. And I think, what, two days ago, everything changed. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we've abandoned what the Boeing standard again, which is the Trump standard under this new board, which is the Biden board, which tends to lean a little bit more employee friendly, employee favorable. And under this new standard, it's not as broad. So it requires 
a burden shifting framework. So first, an employee must show that they could reasonably interpret the workplace rule to have a coercive meaning. So essentially any type of chilling effect on the employee. After they've established that, they've created a presumption that the rule is unlawful and the burden will then shift back to the employer to show two different things. First, they need to show that the rule advances their legitimate and substantial business interests. So that's kind of the same language as under the Boeing standard. But it adds this new element, the second element, which says an employer cannot advance that interest uh, with a more narrowly tailored rule. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot to unpack there, I mean, but there's several elements. When you think about the fact that first, the employee just needs to show that they could reasonably believe that that was coercive, right? Well, so now it, it, it puts the onus on the employee to articulate how they feel about it, not how the employer feels. About it. So right out of the gate, it, it creates a situation where a presumption can be created that now the employer's on the back foot. And you're right. Not only do they have to articulate that, that business justification, but now they got to show this, this narrowly tailored, uh, you know, aspect to it. So let's, let's kind of put this into, into motion. I mean, we're two days into this new ruling, but let's talk about some policies that could be impacted. Let's start with one that's, uh, you know, always, you know, a target in these kinds of regulations, social media. Do you, do you think it could have an impact on a an employer's social media policy? I do. And, you know, it, it places some issues and concern with, if you just kind of look at the time we're living in right now where everybody's got social media and so many different forms of it, LinkedIn, for example, professional networking site, Fishbowl. I don't know if you've heard of that. Okay. Um, I, did, I, did, I didn't want to be put on the spot, but no, I don't. I'm showing my age, but that, I'll look that one up later. Well, Fishbowl, I think, is the prime example of where this could come about. So it's used sort of as a tool for people to talk about companies in a safe space, so hmm. to speak, where they can you know, talk about salaries or talk about what is the actual culture of this specific company? And so I think that's definitely where we could see the NLRA to come into play because we're talking about certain workplace conditions potentially. A little bit like Glassdoor then? Is that yes, similar? it's kind of a, a, a facet of Glassdoor, I, I believe. Okay. So okay. sort of like that. Um, yeah, and so your point is, look, if you've got policies that – are kind of broadly prohibiting discussions of certain topics or representing the company in some capacity that needs you not only need a business justification, but it needs to be narrowly tailored. So most employer policies that we see don't make a distinction between, you know, rank and file management, or maybe even, you know, someone who's a custodian versus someone who's the lead salesperson. Is that going to be potentially problematic? I think it could definitely be problematic because, as we know, in our line of work, what a manager says obviously holds more weight than sometimes what our, our lower level employees say, just as far as what kind of liability that can cause for the company. So now we have to keep that in mind when we're drafting these policies to make sure we're really encompassing now not only our top level employees, but all the way down to the lowest level employee. Yeah. And and you you don't have to look any further than 
uh, you know, the recent efforts by the NLRB as it relates to non-competes to see how some of this plays out. We we were just discussing it during the pre-production for this show that, you know, we'd recently seen an Arkansas colleague um, who had um, gone to try to enforce a non-compete against a departed employee. And then the employee turned around and brought uh, an NLRB complaint under the NLRB's new interpretation of non-competes as being an infringement on a worker's exercise of their rights. And, and one of the main ways of getting to that point is that there's this issue of are they narrowly tailoring it to the right people? And usually it needs to be people further up the food chain. So I think your point's well taken. And I think we've already seen the NLRB use that as part of the the uh, attack on these policies. Um, let's talk about some others. What uh, confidential Confidentiality. We, we a lot of employers have that within their 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 uh, their policies and procedures. Do you think that could be impacted? I do, and especially because under the Boeing line of cases, that is a category of rule that we could previously be confident would be found to be valid. Um, another subcategory of that is confidentiality during investigation periods, um, and so we've already kind of been forewarned that because this was considered okay under Boeing. Now we have to be concerned under this new rule. How do we really craft that to be considered narrowly tailored? Yeah. And and so that would also leach into, oh, I don't know, policies on like no, no recording. Now you obviously have to be careful in a, in a, in a state like Oklahoma, that's a one consent state that there's already some rights to record, but you can still put some restrictions as it relates to, you know, being around sensitive information or, or, or confidential information. But, But I can see that being impacted. Do you agree? I agree. And I do want to say it kind of sounds like we are harping on it a little bit. I want to just make our employers feel good about that. (laughs) This is going to be looked at on a case by case basis. So, you know, don't feel like we can't have these policies anymore. You're right. We can certainly still have those. We just may have to take a harder look at them now under this uh, new test than we did before. It's a fair point, JC, and a really good one, because I think you have to look at it through the lens of, is it narrowly tailored and, and is it justified, you know, by, you know, a business, uh, expectation? And, and the list kind of goes on and on. I mean, some, uh, you know, um, moonlighting, uh, you know, you know, taking outside employment. That's kind of been a standard policy for a lot of employers for, for years. Um, but it, just like the non-compete rules, I think you're going to have to be very careful about how you tailor something like that. Do you see something like that being a you know a, a potential place where you could draw a complaint? Yeah, they've also foreshadowed that um, that is being a particular rule that may draw a complaint. Um, another rule is civility rules, so general ah. civility rules. Um, a lot of these are difficult because what do a lot of these mean necess- mm-hmm. to you? It, it has sort of a subjective element to it, as far as you know. What are you really doing outside of the workplace? And that makes it a little bit harder. And so it was a little easier back when we could be more broader in how we were defining these specific procedures. So now we have to not only ask, what does the employer interpret this to be, but what does the employee themselves also interpret? Yeah, Especially since the standard itself asks right out of the gate, does the employee reasonably believe it's coercive in its effect? Talk about a whipsaw for employers. I mean, we've been talking in these last few years is um, political divisiveness in the workplace becomes more uh, commonplace or just kind of just people 
kind of bringing their personal feelings into the, the workplace. We've talked a lot about the use of good civility codes to kind of help curb some of the negative consequences. But now you're right. You've got to step back and say, have we gone too far? Is there a justification? Have we tailored it well enough to address those situations? Fascinating. I hadn't even really thought of the civility aspect of it, but that's a that's a that's a wonderful example. And, it, and it's a good segue, I think, into the best way to finish up this podcast. And it's kind of builds on what you said a few minutes ago. Take heart, employers. Not all is lost. Um, there is, of course, you know, best practices that you you need to be employing here. But, you know, we're, we're 48 hours into this new rule, JC. So we'll, we'll see how some of this plays out. But what, what are you what are you telling your clients now as it relates to you know next steps? I think the next step is really pulling out your employee handbook and taking a good hard look at your policies now as drafted and really ask yourself, what is the legitimate interest that this specific rule advances for the company? And that's sort of the first step that we have to take. And if you can't articulate that, then you already know you certainly have an issue. If you can articulate that, then the next step is to ask yourself, can I narrowly tailor this rule? And that's going to require, you know, a pretty comprehensive look at who you have in your organization, what duties they perform, what are they public facing, non-public facing. I mean, that's that's a, you know, a, a pretty fact specific inquiry. And and I think the last thing to add to this, and, and I'm interested in your thoughts, is, you know, you still need good training, right? Because you can change the policies all you want. But if your frontline managers don't understand the nuances of these changes, well, then in practice, you won't be doing what your policy preaches. And that, as you know, can lead to unfair labor practice charges in and of itself. Yeah, your management team is really your first line of defense always in any sort of employment related issue. So it's it's definitely good to get them into some sort of training on these new rules and work alongside them if you have to and, and try to you know, work with them to articulate why is this an important business interest for your company. They're the ones that are boots on the ground. So they may be able to help you as, you know, what the higher level employee or the CEO or human resources that is actually drafting this policy. They may be able to help you come up with reasons why it is important to have this in your handbook. I love that advice. So often there's that disconnect where either the C-suite in conjunction with HR uh, are, are sort of top-down approach making these changes, but there's no interconnection with the, you know, like you say, the boots on the ground, they're going to be able to tell you, this is why this matters, or these are the people you need to apply this to. Fantastic advice. Really just a a fascinating um, overview. I mean, it's it's fun to be on the cusp of this, JC. We're, We're two days into it, and yet we know that even as 2023 plays out and then on into, you know, election year, uh, we're, we're going to be seeing some changes, uh, you know, at, at court levels and, 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 you know, litigation playing out that'll even bring this even more to light. So thanks for, you know, flagging this right out of the gate and, and being on top of it. Um, really appreciate all the time that you spent with us today. It was, it, it, it was, uh, it was a good review. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, um, I'm going to close by just saying that, you know, it's it's not every day that I get to, you know, hang out with, you know, people who are on list of uh, powerful uh, uh, professionals. <laughs> and I can certainly see, uh, you know, why uh, why JC's inclusion is is uh, uh, well merited. But um, I, I just want to give my own personal plug that um, 
sharing a wall with uh, JC and watching her maturation as a, uh, a young associate here in the firm is wonderful to see. And um, I'm, I'm just really glad to uh, have you as, as part of the team. So, uh, and I know that all of our uh, listeners will enjoy that as well. So I'll go ahead and close things out. Um, I'm going to be heading out for vacation here in about, no, I don't know, about 16 hours or so. Not that I'm counting down <laughs> with uh, every single second as I dream of uh, the uh, the East Coast and uh, my destination where I'm told it's currently about 75 degrees and not 109 or whatever Lucky it feels guy. like outside here. Yeah. But when I do return, I'll be, uh, I'll be refreshed and, and ready to go. And hopefully we'll be ready to, you know, bring some, uh, more interesting topics and great speakers, uh, to you, our loyal listeners, uh, here on the podcast, Briefly Legal. So until then, um, I'm going to go enjoy vacation. I hope that all of you enjoy this show and uh, be sure to tune in next time to spend some time on another great topic here on Briefly Legal.